This is the Non-Microwave Truth, a Time of Grace production, and I am C.L. Whiteside. And if this is your first time checking it out, this is a podcast that challenges culture's truth and perspective and looks at it from a biblical perspective. Because we are definitely in an era of there is no absolute truths. Everyone has their own truth. And you can't say what is true for another person. Nah, we, we know what the truth is. It's in the Bible. It's in the good book. Can I get an amen? I'm just playing with y'all. But our first world problem question is actually sparked from a first world problem question that I asked before. And it was one of those first world problems where I had talked about, you know, what do you watch on TV? And I had a couple of people hit me up and tell me how they saw the movie Thor. And they talked about how the movie forced it and tried to like put quick scenes of homosexuality in there. And it was not even close to being needed. And then I had somebody else hit me up talking about they saw the Disney movie, Super Pet, and they forced it too. And I Googled that, the Super Pet movie, kind of to see if it did. And I read something and it talked about a granddad who took his two grandchildren to see the movie Super Pet. And he left and was super ticked at the movie. And he went up to the counter. He went up to the dude and was like, hey, they should have a warning that DC Super Pet shows this type of stuff. And he said to the person he was complaining to, he said, they should have a warning in that DC Super Pets movie. A bunch of lesbian stuff shouldn't be shown to children in a kid's movie. No one wants to see that bleep. And the person said he responded by saying, He's free to leave and take his bigoted worldviews with him and never come back to our theater again. And this just got me thinking. It was like, well, one, how the grandfather handled it probably wasn't the best. Like leaving and expressing your dissatisfaction is cool. But when you get to adding cuss words in there and kind of going about it, it's like, what's the point? And just realizing, like talking to the person at the movie theater that is not the person to be really talking to. Like, they really don't have any control over that. The dude he was talking to probably just gives tickets. But then I thought about it, the worker. His response wasn't good either. So our first world problem question is this. Jesus is at the movie with his nieces and nephews. Or you put yourself in the situation and you are at the movie with your nieces or nephews, or it could even be your own kids. Do you talk about it with your kids when you see this in the movie theater, especially since you weren't expecting to see this? Would you act like you didn't see it? Would you say nothing? Do you wait and see like, did they even catch it? Did they even see it before you actually bring it up as a conversation? What should we do as Christians in regards to teaching our youth? And I have an idea on this, and this is not the absolute truth. This is not like biblical truth. And you can definitely disagree with me, but I think this is something that you should have a conversation with your child Rather, you think they saw it or not. And I say that because there are more things getting thrown at our children that we don't even know about. And we might not even be there to give them the the true meaning of what is going on and what is really happening. So even though I don't know if they saw it or not, I still probably should have a conversation with them because Proverbs 22 verse 6 tells us, train a child up in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And unfortunately, more messages and more things that go against the Bible are being slipped into cartoons, are being slipped into YouTube ads and YouTube videos. And they're even trying to throw some of this stuff into books that 
kids read nowadays. So it's one of those things where it's like, man, we almost have to have a conversation and have ongoing conversations because I don't want you necessarily thinking that this is God's truth or this is how God intended for something to be. But would I get up and leave the movie? I don't know. I think that would be pretty hard. And I guess it just would depend on how much seems to be getting shown. But even a little bit is too much. But it's almost one of those things that we just can't escape in our society anymore. But I would love to hear from you on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is Champion Life 23. If you're at the movie theater with your nieces, your nephews, your little cousins, your own kids, and you see something on the screen that shouldn't be on the screen that goes against God's word, what are you going to do? How are you going to address it? Are you going to address it? And this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. The title of our episode today is Prodigal Part 2, Wild Child. This is the second episode of our three-part series. Last week, we talked about the obedient son, who I, I put air quotes around obedient, who stayed home with the father and when you live a life that you think is morally righteous, especially up to your standards, you all of a sudden can get mad at God and think God should be consulting you on the decisions he does or doesn't make. But that's last week's episode. This week's episode, we're going to focus on the younger brother who was wilding out. And we're going to be in Luke 15 again. And at the beginning of Luke chapter 15, it says something about the tax collectors and sinners. So the tax collectors and sinners, they would be equivalent to the younger brother, because they were known to live a life that the Pharisees and the people that were so-called righteously good and upholding wouldn't like. They would be the ones that they would say they wilding out. So this would be the group of people that they really didn't mess with the rules. They would be all about self-discovery. You know, I just want to be free. You get to hating rules, you get to hating religion. And there's actually something behind it. And I actually get why some people hate rules and they hate religion. Because when you look at religion, how many problems are rooted in it? When you look at our history, a lot of times people will say they're doing something in the name of their religion. So people look at that and say, man, I don't want anything to do with that. And at the end of the day, our sinful nature just absolutely hates rules and want to rebel. So last week, the older brother who stayed home, he had a self-centered destructiveness that was rooted in his moral righteousness and in his love for rules and following rules. Like he loved to be his own savior. That son, he wanted to seem morally good. Now, this younger brother, the wild child, this son, he doesn't give a care about that. This would be a group who would be like, you know, I can't stand those hypocrites and those bigoted, self-righteous people. They would be the group that say, I'm just a free spirit. Now, the younger brother, he has a different type of self-centered destructiveness, and his is rooted in. I just want to be free. And just think about that. What is today's world freedom? How many people are searching for and trying to create freedom and happiness? It's like we all want to bring heaven to earth. We all want to make life as fun and as comfortable as possible. We don't want to go through any pains. We don't want to go through any hardships. I just want it to be smooth. I just want it to be comfortable. Like how many people have you heard say or sometimes do you have a thought process of, man, I just got to live it up now or it's all about my happiness. But like, how do you live it up? How do you become happy? That's where the devil strikes and he says, you need to dip and dab in different stuff. And we all do this to an extent. It can be through drinking, smoking, popping pills, spa treatment. Oh, I want to get my hair done. 
having sex with as many people as you can. It's a great desire for all of us to be entertained or to be at peace or just to be happy and comfortable. Every once in a while, you'll have the people that are like adrenaline junkies who want to force it to the edge, who want to roll the dice, who want to put their house in the line, who want to parte, parte, parte. Because they have been told, this is how you live your best life. And this is truly what they believe is their best life. And a lot of times they look at moral issues and they make it seem like it's so complex. And they hate the people or the institutions that claim moral authority over their lives. They can't stand that. This is the type of group that possibly could be thinking like, you know, I've heard of Jesus. He died for my sins, right? Oh, I'm good then. I can sin as much as I possibly want. But God has to understand I got to get this money or, ooh, wait, you see her? Yeah, God is just going to have to wait. I know I ain't supposed to do this, but man. But rather you like to admit it or not, we all have some younger brother in us. We all have some wild in us. And sometimes why we have this wild in us is because we've been hurt or offended by the older elder brothers, like those people that are supposed to be in the church or those people that are supposed to be morally righteous. And we were looking up to them and they hurt us. And if the people in the church hurt us and they're supposed to be God's people, I don't want anything to do with them. And some of us have some major church hurt we have never dealt with. And we're like, you know what? I might as well go live like the rest of this world. At least they're semi nice to me. And something I've heard people point out, and I really can't disagree with it, is look at all the wars. Look at all the evil that has been done due to religion. So if someone was to say religion is a great source of misery and heartache, that's true. And Jesus would agree with that statement, too. So since he agrees with it, I agree with it. Now, the statement that Christianity is just like any other religion, that is not true, though. There's a distinction between the gospel and religious moralism. This allows us to see Christianity from a new perspective. In this parable, Jesus is saying, would you please be open to the possibility that the gospel, real Christianity, is something very different from religion. And on this episode of Prodigal Part 2, Wild Child, we are going to look at the parable of the lost son, which comes from Luke 15, verses 11 through 24. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between them. Now think about this. The younger son asking for his inheritance was was pretty disrespectful. Biblical scholars have said this was almost like saying, father, I wish you were dead. And it's definitely like I want what the father can give me, but I don't want the father. The relationship had been a means to enjoy his father's wealth. But he didn't want that intimacy and he didn't want that real relationship and the experiences with his father. And his request is even more OC when you think about it, because it's like, give me my share of the estate. And it's got to be like running a business or having a bunch of land. And then you give a chunk away and then the person sells it and runs off. Like that messes up your whole plan. That had to mess up the father's business, the father's plan. He basically asked his father to tear apart his own life in order to give me what I want right now. Verse 13 says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country and then squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. Like. Man, how many times do we want to get 
far away as possible from God and sometimes from our earthly families. And we really think and feel we can have a better life apart from God. Like, that's why we sin. That's why I sin. That's why I've done stupid things in my life, because I'm like, ooh, right now I can have both. I know I'm not supposed to do this, but man, this seems like the best option. And hey, that's that's a trait that was passed down from Adam and Eve since they ate the fruit, thinking that it was the best option to eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, when you think about this lifestyle, the lifestyle of partying, the lifestyle of being a wild boy or wild girl, the lifestyle really isn't sustainable. But there is a trap we just don't see when we're sinning all willy nilly. We're like a mouse who only sees the cheese or a fish that only sees the worm. There are major consequences there major consequences that hurt the traps aren't going to tell you like hey i'm here to hurt you and kill your soul or i'd love to see you in misery and denying the fact that you are a child of god who can live differently like it's not going to do that wouldn't that make it so much easier so the younger brother lost everything notice it doesn't talk about all the fun he had and none of that matters when you're in a jam or a bad place and let's say he didn't lose everything. There are tons of people who are rich. There are tons of people who are living a wild lifestyle who still aren't happy, who still aren't in comfort, who still have zero hope, who still are chasing something and know deep down inside something is missing. Something is absolutely missing. Verse 15 says, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. In the moment, we never think what we're doing is dumb. And sometimes rock bottom is the only thing that actually gets our attention. We all fall, but how we respond is everything. That, that's key. And sometimes I hear people saying like, you know, this is a trial from God. And I'm like, no, it's not. That, that's a consequence. That's a consequence of your sin. That's a consequence of our sin. That's a consequence of our evil world. There's a difference between a trial and a consequence. This brother being hungry and looking at the pig's food and saying, mm -mm, that looked good. That wasn't a trial. That was a consequence of his sin. And there's a distinct difference between those two. And that's where we have to be real with ourselves. Verse 17 says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your higher servants. So he got up and he went to his father. I'll stop right there. He realized he had taken the father's grace for granted, but he still had enough sense to realize the grace was abundant and the grace didn't run out or depend on what he did or didn't do. He started to think about how the father loved everyone how the father wanted the best for everyone, how the father took care of everyone. Not until he had nothing did he realize he had everything he really needed with his father. So many times we think we need more stuff. We need more of this. We need more of that. And the answer is we usually have exactly what we need. And if we don't, we should be looking to our heavenly father and having a conversation with him. And this younger brother, the wild child, he realized his life was not better apart from his father, apart from his real home. Now, let's look at how the father greets him. And I want you to ask yourself, how would you greet someone if you were the father or the mother in this situation? 
It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. This right here, this is the gospel. Now, the evil ones, the devil, the, the demons, they are the bad friends who will geek you up, encourage you to sin, get you to sin, and then tell us our sin is so bad that it can't be forgiven. Or they'll keep telling us to do what we do because they know eventually we'll run into the wrong person and face that wrath. I can just imagine the devil will be working hard to tell the son, you really haven't changed. Just work hard for a little while and you'll be able to live that life again. Don't you want to live that life again? Or he would have told the son, don't go home. Like, you really think you can go home? You think the father's going to let you come back? Ha! You not wanted there, bro. Like, you might as well go somewhere else. And he either wants to harden our hearts or fill us up with so much guilt. Both things put a wedge and want to keep us away and apart from our father. This son didn't fall for that trap, though. Verse 21 says, the son said to his father, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The book summed it up. The book that I'm referring to is the prodigal God. And it pretty much broke it down like this. The wild younger brother had to be thinking like, father, I know I don't have a right to come back into the family, but if you apprentice me, to one of your higher men so I can learn a trade and earn a wage, then at least I could begin to pay off my debt. But the father's not even worried about the debt. Now, the wild brother, he comes to an understanding that he's not worthy. And this is beautiful. And this sums up Christianity. This is different from all religions. Our God unconditionally loves us and clothes us with righteousness, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done. And verse 22 goes on to say, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. When we go wild and we go rogue, it's as though we are dead. And that's not how we were intended to live. Now, this son, he didn't deserve a thing. Nothing. Definitely not the best of what his father had to offer. And we'll definitely talk about this next week. But this is the gospel. That is grace. And I was in a Bible study the other day that broke grace down like this. Grace is getting what you don't deserve, like the fattened calf. And mercy he got as well. Now, mercy is not getting what you deserve. Like he should have gotten disowned. He should have gotten the boot from his family but he was shown grace and mercy. All of us are shown grace and mercy. And understanding that we're not worthy is a humbleness we all need to practice that this younger, once wild child did practice. And there's some rebel in all of us. Like there honestly is, that's our sinful nature. And when you couple that with the fact that the message that we're constantly seeing and hearing every day of, there is no absolute truth. And what does it mean to love is so jacked. We attached stuff to love all the time like we think we need this to be happy and to feel love or we think we need more of that to be happier love and we're blind to see that we have everything we need when we are a christian a child of god because i'm telling you the world is always trying to get us to chase something go after this or you need that 
but it's really all just a trap. It's really all just a maze. And sometimes we reject the father's love and giving us the best robe and throwing us a party and giving us the fattened calf because we know we don't deserve it. Like not even a little. We beat ourselves up. We feel so guilty. But learn from the younger son. Our heavenly father will and does love us in his way, not in the way that we see fit. And I got breaking news for you. None of us deserve it. So when you understand and you know that, just be thankful. Love on your heavenly father. Spend time with him. Praise him. Worship him. Meditate and reflect daily on how good he is to you, how good he is to me. And allow that to change our entire way we move and look at life. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode, Prodigal Part 2, Wild Child. We will finish up next week with the third and final episode of this three-part series. And we'll be looking at the loving, compassionate father. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.